When I was about four years old, my parents took me to a Christmas tree farm. And my mom used to love to tell the story. I don't remember it, but she told it many, many times. So we were at the Christmas tree farm. I look out over this, this, this hill full of uncut trees. And I looked up to my folks and I said, this is God's beautiful world. This is God's beautiful world. And hey, when you're four years old and you're at a Christmas tree farm, life is beautiful, isn't it? It's a beautiful life. God's in his heaven, sky's blue, Christmas is around the corner and you know, everything's hunky-dory. That is a moment in time. At the same time, we know, if you live a little bit, end up going to school, going to work, sometime in your life, something kind of changes and you still see the beautiful world, but life can kind of go sideways at times. It can go sideways. Um, philosopher Paul Ricoeur said this, he said that life is a continual movement from orientation, life is beautiful, life makes sense, I feel at home, to disorientation, when life doesn't make sense, to reorientation, where life makes sense again, but in an entirely different way. Orientation, disorientation, and reorientation. So as we gather here together this Sunday, all of us are at different places in these particular movements. Some are in a place of orientation. You are crushing it. You're killing it. Others of us are in a season of disorientation. You're getting crushed. You're getting killed. And others are coming out of that disorientation into a time of reorientation, a springtime, a new beginning in your life. One of the great stories, I think, in all the Bible and really all of history is the story of a man we call Job. The oldest story in the Bible, the most ancient story in all of Scripture is the story of Job. And in Job, we can see him pass through these three movements of orientation, disorientation, and reorientation. The book starts off with Job living the dream. He is killing it. He is crushing it. He has a strong faith. He has a great family. He has a nice fortune. His future is hunky-dory. Things are great for Job. This is God's beautiful world. But most of us know the story. His life crashes and burns. He loses his business, he loses his money, then he loses his family, and he finally loses his health, and he enters into that time of utter disorientation and disorganization and dismay, and he's trying to navigate and negotiate a time of catastrophic loss. He's in that movement, that season, if you would, of disorientation. And about that time, sometimes people come to folks like Job or maybe you during a season of disorientation and they pull out a verse 
known as Romans 8.28. And they'll say, hey, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So Job is there. He's lost his kids. He's lost his life. He's lost his health. And it's like his friends come around him and almost give him some type of Romans 8.28 solution. And many times I've seen this happen in, in people's lives. I've had it happen to me. You're in a season of disorientation. You're in a time where things and life simply doesn't make sense. And some well-meaning person, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, will throw Romans 8.28 at you. And it's like they're trying to take a Romans 8.28 Band-Aid to cover a Grand Canyon-sized wound. And there are a lot of problems with that. Big problem is this. Not all things that happen in this world and in your life are good. Not all things are good. Now, all things are not good. This is the promise of Romans 28. All things are not good, but good things can come from all things. Does that make sense? All things are not good, but good can come from all things. And we'll get to that in a few moments. But when someone is hurting, when someone is in a time of despair, when someone's in a time of disorientation, it's probably not, no, it's not the time to pull out your Romans 8.28 Band-Aid with a little rainbow or a little, I don't know, sunshine on it. Doesn't work. It's not appropriate, as we like to say. It's unacceptable, in my opinion. Tragic, bewildering, catastrophic things happen every single day. So many times, I think, we forget we forget in the midst of the pain, in the midst of a season of disorientation, we forget the world we live in. We forget what God has said about what's going on in the world, what's going on in our lives and why these things, tragic things, catastrophic things happen. Many times we forget to really deeply consider the brokenness and fallenness of this world. We live in a broken, fallen world with broken, fallen people who do broken, fallen things. Things are not the way they're supposed to be. Nature is not the way it's supposed to be. Human nature is not the way it's supposed to be. Things are wonky. Things have gone awry. We've moved from orientation to disorientation on a cosmic and a personal level. Also, there's the ferocious nature of evil. Evil exists in this world and it even runs through your heart and my heart. And when too much evil gets a hold of you or gets a hold of a group of people, it can cause massive destruction. 
So tragic things, bad things, horrific things happen because we live in a world that's not as beautiful as we want it to be. It's broken, people are broken, and evil is real. Also, there's free will. And we'll talk more about free will next week. There's free will. And with free will, you can choose to do something that will be productive or you can choose to do something that will be destructive. So with our free will, we make good choices and we make horrific choices. And when we make good choices, they have good consequences. And when we make bad choices, they have bad consequences. So multiply that times 8 billion times hundreds of thousands of years and you have the snowball effect of the negative consequences of this thing called free will. It's gone into effect. It's gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So, so this is the world that, that, that we live in. This is the life that we live in. This is really what God tells us about this world and how, how we live in it and what we should expect from it. I'm really big into expectations. A lot of my life, I'll say this, is about managing expectations. And many times within the church context, and I would say within the Western context, we have this Pollyanna view of life, these false expectations, and when they're not met, many times we cry out and shake out, why God, why God? And we can do that. God gives us the freedom to ask why. God gives us the freedom to question. The book of Job is full of Job questioning God during this season, rough season of disorientation. At the same time, God reveals to us why many of these things are still happening in this world today. Joe Bailey was writing about the season in his life following the death of his son. And he said, a man came to me and he began to speak words from the Bible. And the words that I knew were true, but he continued to speak and speak and speak and he would not be quiet. And I couldn't wait for him to leave. But then he said, another man came by to see me. And he just sat there. He listened. He didn't ask any questions. He didn't try to explain my situation away. He just prayed a simple prayer and left. Joe said, my heart was comforted and I wish that he would come back. When we're talking to someone when we're with someone who is in this season of disorientation, when life is not making sense, when life is full of pain, the best thing to do is to bleed with them, empathize with them, listen to them. and pray for them. One of my mentors in my life who I, I don't really know personally 
wrote a book many years ago that someone gave me. It's called A Grace Disguise. And in this book, the author, who's a professor on the West Coast named Jerry Sitzer, talks about his story when many years ago a drunk driver swerved on the wrong side of the road, hit his car head on, and that crash killed his mother, his wife, and his four-year-old daughter. And he had three other, three other children, and he was in his early 40s. He had to raise all these kids by himself. So he writes in this book in such a powerful way, the way God led him through this time of disorientation into a time of reorientation. And this book and his story has helped millions of people around the world to process their own season of disorientation. But, but he writes this, which I think is so beautiful in reflecting about the help it brings. He goes, the help it may bring to others does not justify the loss or explain the tragedy. My suffering is as puzzling and horrible to me now as it was the day it happened. The good that may come out of the loss does not erase its badness or excuse the wrong done. Nothing can do that. All things that happen in this world and throughout history and in our lives individually, all things are not good. The fall is real, evil is real, free will and its consequences are very real. At the same time, good things can come out of bad things and all things. So with that, we open up and look at Romans 8, the goat, and listen to the words that he has for us today. No matter what season you're in, but especially if you're in that season of disorientation when life doesn't make sense, listen to what God does for us in these few verses. Paul writes, he says, likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. What does that mean? It means that many times when you are getting crushed by life or you're in that season of disorientation, you lay down in prayer before God and you don't have the words to say. You don't know what to say. You don't know what the outcome is gonna be. You pray for a certain outcome, you pray this way, but many times you just lay it out there before God. And the good news is when we're confused, when we're disoriented, God, intercedes for us, he interprets all of that to line up with his will. That's how much God's for us. So when things are difficult, when things are painful, he is with us. And when we cry out in that song, the band did so beautiful, Lottie or Lordy, help me, <laughs> help me pray, help me in this moment, he brings us and gives us real help. 
and helps us process through this season of disorientation. And we know that all things do work together for good for those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. How do we make it through a season of of disorientation, a time when we're getting feeling pain, we're getting crushed. How do we make it through? There are many things we can do, but one thing that God tells us is, first of all, he is for us. He tells us that he is with us. He tells us that when we lay it out before him, even when we don't know what to say or what to do, he interprets those things before his throne, that we may line up to the will of God. And then we simply say, God, I want to respond to you in this moment. I want to respond to you. I want to continue to love you. I want to continue to live out your purpose for my life and in this world right now. That's what I want to do. Because you see, God is always in the business of restoration and redemption. Horrible, wicked, evil things happen in our lives, yes. And at the same time, when we say, God, I don't want my pain to be in vain. I don't want my loss to be in vain. God, somehow use this in my story and bring me from this place of disorientation to reorientation. Bring me through it. And God, through his grace, when we open ourselves up to his grace, open ourselves up to his response, will lead us through that season into a place of reorientation. A place where we once again can say, this is God's beautiful world. Life is still beautiful. Yes, there's pain, yes, there's hurt, but life is beautiful and God is good and God is with me. He loves me, I love him, and I wanna live out his purposes in my life. And he's gonna make something good out of something bad. That's the cross, isn't it? It's not the gospel. God takes something as horrific and scary and dark and twisted and disoriented as the cross. You, something you meant for evil and then through the resurrection, he comes out of the grave and he makes it for something good. Something good, yeah. Life is full of the cross, of suffering, and of resurrection and new life, of disorientation and reorientation. It's how we respond to God. In prayer, laying it out before him, and the way we live, that he begins to recycle those things in our life. Just like we sing at the beach retreat, something beautiful, something good. All my confusion, he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife. He made something beautiful of my life.
He restored Job. Doesn't make up, doesn't justify, doesn't explain, but he restored Job and Job worshiped God again. He restored Joseph from the pit, from the prison, and brought him to the palace. He restored Mary, he restored Mary Magdalene, he restored Peter, he even restored an old, mean, self-righteous guy by the name of Paul who would end up writing maybe the greatest chapter in the Bible. God does it. God restores. God renews. God reorients our life over time by his grace. By his grace.